ribbons, they overflow Been rejected by the bin man My hoarding's out of control Don't want to bring back any one night stands You're scared to talk about it Don't want to make a scene Can't get that loft extension so I live in a land full of memories. Hiya! I'm Susanna Romato, but you can call me Susie. And this is the Landfill of Memories podcast. My stage show, Landfill of Memories, came about because I had a breakdown. And through that breakdown, I discovered that I was a hoarder. And in this podcast, we look back at all the things that we keep for the memories. We've all heard that one before, right? Keep it for the memes, put it on the Instagram. From sentimental objects to the most silly things, we relive each item story and hear about the part they've played in our lives. And as an owner of over 500 train tickets, a ridiculous amount of receipts and a phenomenal amount of photos, I finally come to recognise the power of letting things go. So in this podcast, I ask my guests to bring in three things that remind them of significant moments in their lives. An item that reminds them of a childhood memory, an item that reminds them of a tough time and an item that reminds them of such an amazing memory, they'll treasure it forever. And then at the end of the conversation, we'll find out whether they'll keep the memory or decide to shred it into pieces. Alice Robinson is a theatre practitioner, director and producer. She regularly teaches performance and drama skills across the country. She co-runs and produces the Performers Playground Manchester and facilitates Mothers Who Make Manchester a peer support group and creative project for mothers who are artists at Home Theatre. Alice and I have known each other for about 10 years and we've made a special show together all about grief. It was called Legacy and it was premiered at the Royal Exchange Theatre for CoLab Festival in 2019. I'm so thrilled that she came on the podcast. We've had a long journey together through grief, hoarding, shredding, performance, crying, laughter, love. And I'm so thrilled we got the chance to speak to each other again. Alice Robinson Winstanley. <laughs> you. <laughs> Welcome to the Landfill and Memories podcast. How are you doing? I am good. But that's a bit of an in-joke to start with, though, isn't it? Yes, it's Alice Robinson, of yes. course. Yes. But according to Equity, you were Alice Robinson with Stanley. Yes, which is correct. Which is correct. Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> uh, just for the listeners, Alice is doodling frenetically. Yes. Um, lots of uh, excitable. <laughs> and as, she, as I'm talking, the, the, she's spiralling on the page. She's getting completely out of control. It's madness here as in the As long studio. as I keep it on the page... <laughs> My fury and excitement and frustration. Let it out. Okay. This is the place to do it. So I'm so happy that I've managed to get you into the studio today. It's just been a long time coming. Alice and I have known each other for a very, 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 very long time now. And you've been with me for a lot of the journey, from clown training to making work together. What has it been like for you? <laughs> Just personal reflection of me, it's my friend. It's been like this piece of paper right now. <laughs> it's been curvy, jagged, explosive, surprising, and um, just amazing, actually. I'm going to start crying already. Yeah. Two minutes in, not a dry eye in the house. 
No, you're a special person. Um, Aww. You're a beautiful whirlwind and you can be so calm and so present and just a one-off, you're a total one-off. Oh, I wasn't expecting a compliment at the beginning of the podcast, yeah. but it's always needed. Yeah, Thank let's you. have a, a race. Who can make <laughs> each other cry first? <laughs> Don't, because I'm on the brink of crying anyway. I'm always on the brink of crying these days. <laughs> reliving, reliving everything all over again. <laughs> Actually, talking about crying, my son, who's six, said to me, we were reading in his story and they were talking about emotions and he just went, Mum, you don't cry. And I was like, I do, all the time. I, and he was like, what for? And I started listing the reasons and then he went, oh, yeah, when you and Dad have conversations, sometimes you cry. <laughs> and I was like, oh, crikey. Ooh, picks so, up on it. Yeah. And, and then I went, yeah, I do. And Dad gets angry and it's all OK. Yeah. It's all part of it. Yeah. But, yeah, just thought I'd get that out there. The um, constant kind of the mirror of having kids mm. that kind of goes, what's this? This is what it's like being with Susie. Not that you're a kid, but, <laughs> like, pointing things out that we just take for granted, like how we live our lives. Oh, well, what a lovely introduction. We've not, I've not had an introduction like that on this podcast yet, so thank you very much for your beautiful insights oh. to start the podcast off. Moving on then, as you know, because we've been friends for so long and you've helped on the stage show of Landfull of Memories, you know that I'm a hoarder and you know that I find it difficult to part with many of my possessions. So are there any possessions in your home that really need uh, to be thrown out or slide through the shredder or do you have a shit drawer? And if so, what's in it? How big is your shredder? <laughs> I mean, yeah, our house is full of stuff and kids stuff and I'm the person that just says yes to everything everyone's hand-me-downs and like yeah and I love that sort of I love passing things on and sharing things it's just I don't pass anything on I just collect it all and I go oh they might want it one day so it's a very busy house with things and items I just don't know where to begin. Well, your house isn't cluttered. Like, I've been to your house many times. It's, your house is very bright. Yes. Lots of brightness. You've got loads of natural sunlight. Mm. And everything does ha seem to have its place. I think probably the place that I would probably start with is the kitchen dining area. Yes. Lots of stuff. Lots yes. Of, lots of tequila. I know that for sure. <laughs> lots of different bottles of tequila. Yeah. If you could get rid of one thing in your house, what would it be? In our house, um, there's a little sort of table ikea thing that i keep the fruit bowl on uh, but it's like in a corner of doom and there's loads of papers that we shove down there like all the kids drawings and stuff but behind it there's mold and i know that and i think dad knows that and it's just it needs to be demolished things fall down there you don't dare to go like you know, your hand will get snapped <laughs> off by something there's also a plug there that you can't um, you're not allowed to unplug otherwise the alarm will go off like in the house and we have to pay 250 quid to get rid of this plug and i've got a baby and she like goes to try and unplug it like she would a normal plug it's like not that one <laughs> It's just an awful corner. So hang on. So this corner, yeah. It, so it's got loads of mold. It's got and black you... mold sneaking around, yeah, around the back of this IKEA 
chair, bench, chair, chair table the, yeah. thing. So are you saying when it needs to be demolished, you mean the wall itself needs to be demolished? <laughs> <laughs> well, I need to, somebody needs to take that table out and the contents of it, which is probably like bits of fruit that have fallen down there, loads of cobwebs, children's pictures and notepads and, yeah, things. It's like a kind of place to put stuff, but it's really unsavoury. It's not good. <laughs> Don't worry, I can come around with a mallet if you like. Yeah. And we can just... I'm considering I get a whole kitchen extension for about 30 grand based on that one corner. <laughs> I could just move the IKEA thing, give it a mop, but I'm not going to. No, no, we don't have time for mopping. 30 grand conservatory yeah. would be great. Yes, please. It's the only option. Okay, good, uh, good. Yeah. Well, at this podcast, we're looking back at all the things that we keep for the memories. And obviously for you, it won't be the black mould and the bits no. of orange peel behind that thing. Uh, and we're going to look back at all the memorable items we've kept throughout our lives before deciding which we'll keep or shred into pieces. So in regards to the shredding, of course, the decision is entirely up to you. I won't hold you to ransom, I promise. So then, if you're happy to start with your first item, what is your childhood memory? What have you brought in for us today that reminds you of your childhood? Can you describe it for our lovely listeners? Okay, well, I am learning that I think I am a hoarder and I've brought more than I... I You're should. acknowledging your hoarding tendencies. Yeah. Yes. And I do this with thoughts as well. I can't just have one thought. I always have loads at the same time. Um, so I've brought a piece of artwork that's actually done by my son. So it doesn't really remind me of my childhood, but I am raising a child at the moment. And so the I'm always kind of being taken back, I suppose, to that sense of being a child myself and then coming back to being a parent mm. and this... I don't actually think I've got a lot from my childhood. Mm. Um, this was just staring at me and it was like, right, at the moment, this is my childhood. I'm reliving it through him. Yes. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Down the rabbit the hole. <laughs> Sorry about this, son. <laughs> no, I think it's really important to learn if you were experiencing your childhood again and you're vicariously living through your child, you're relearning spaces and opportunities to enjoy those parts and when I see you and both your kids together it is like all three of you are like kids mm. and it's so light and fun do you feel like you're learning are you gonna cry no, no I'm just okay. like yes <laughs> learning I'm learning so much and mm. and you can't you you try and tell them that it's not just you that's learning it's it's us we don't know what we're doing and you're teaching us so much and often like with the directness of grief and yet yeah, they they just bring you back to that clarity that we forget that children have and how clouded we get as we get older. And so putting yourself back in that child's mind is so, so useful. And this stuff arrives in the house on a daily basis. And I know a lot of parents kind of struggle with this. Like you want to celebrate their work, their mark making, whatever it is. But you can't keep it all. Mm. Although we kind of do. Like, you might have noticed on the cupboards, we've got loads of pictures stuck yep. down. 
Are they your favourites? N- not necessarily. There's just so many of them. Are they a distraction so the kids can see that they've got artwork? Yeah, while well, you get rid of the others, <laughs> right? But I try and get rid of them and he sees it going in the bin and I have to go, oh, must have fallen. <laughs> and I put it there. So I thought I'd just bring a couple of his pieces of of work. So is this favourite works or not so favourite? I mean, not that he'll listen to this in 10 years and be like, oh my God, mum threw away my like my all-time Van Gogh-inspired paintings. No, no, they're not favourite. But this one in particular, we were all like, that's actually really good. Can you describe it for, oh, just yeah. for, for our listeners? So it's black. It's made on black paper, that kind of textured uh, black paper that you get at school. And he's drawn with chalk and I think maybe a black wax, uh, wax crayon or something. So he's drawn like a snow scene. It was around Christmas. There's a snowman, Christmas trees, stars, I think, and a snowflake. Oh, I think that's Santa on his sleigh. I think it might be something that looks like it's got ears and reins. So, yeah, so it's a black and white picture. So there's lots of depth to this photo then. He's considered quite a lot of the symbols of Christmas. Yes. So what impact are having all of these (laughs) childhood paintings and drawings and artworks have on your life then? It's quite stressful having them and knowing which ones to keep, which ones to get rid of, how to... Oh, I've just noticed there's a little secret door in it as well. Oh, I didn't notice that before. He's drawn a little, like, roof and a door and a... Um, oh, I love it. No, <laughs> it does have an impact, yeah, because you can't keep everything. We're trying not to, there's so much paperwork. It gets letters every day as well and trying mm. to just sort of organise the house and the life. And and I suppose trying to teach him that we don't have to hold on to everything. The act of doing it is just as important as the keeping of it. Mm. So then, Alice... <laughs> It's time for the big question. Are we going to keep or are we going to shred into pieces? We are going to shred pieces. <gasps> are we? How exciting. Yes. Okay, so the shredder is on. Right. Ready to go. Now, it is quite, it's a biggie, isn't it? It's an A... It's, it's an A-what-y. It's an A-1, A-3. A-3. I think, it's an A-3. Two, two times A-4. Yeah, yeah, A-3, yeah. So, uh, I think you might have to... Fold it up. You can, either, it. you can either fold it or tear it. It's up to you. Tear could sound good. Should I tear it? <laughs> wow, it's beautiful. It Black is. paper through I the shredder. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you can if you want, yeah. How do you feel? Well, that was a piece of art in itself. It looks better chopped up. <laughs> I might take it back and go, I've improved your artwork. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, could I come back with the rest? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bring it to the show. Yeah. Always bring it to the show. <laughs> yeah. All right, then. So moving on to our second item then. An item that reminds you of a tough time in your life. So what's the second item you brought in with you today? Please describe it and introduce it for our lovely listeners. So I brought this... Um Yellow piece of paper. Again, it's quite a big one. It's bigger than A4. And I kind of, like, hold 
the health and well-being of the whole family in my hands, on my shoulders, all of the time, whether that's right or wrong. And sometimes I worry too much about everyone's health. But anyway, me and and the dad, my partner, were kind of often navigate, like, how do we want to live? What kind of health values do we want to bring into the house and the family? And how can we like be on the same page with that stuff so that we can support each other and also provide something clear for the kids? So on this piece of paper, there was, after a bit of a lack of communication build-up around this, I don't know if it was my idea or his, said, right, let's write, write on a piece of paper what this looks like, what you want, what's important to you about health and well-being in our family. And so I wrote down, like I wrote loads and it just kind of flew off the page really easily. And um, yeah, you know, they're quite big things. So it's not something to be solved overnight. It's on a yellow piece of paper and there's like a number of points I don't mind reading them or whatever. Mm, yeah, would you mind sharing a couple if you feel comfortable to? And I haven't looked at this since I wrote it. Um, this was in that place by the orange peel and the mould. <laughs> Is this when you wrote it? Um, I, well, I wrote it and then it just went under there where a lot of other things do. So it starts with, I want you to know that I care about your health. And, the, you know, the subtext of that is that I'm not out to just pick on you it's because it comes from care mm. i want to see that you care about me and the kids health i want a culture of food well-being outdoor activity um walking bike rides non-car stuff in our house and i want it not always to come from mum like i play that role right come on no we're going on our bike no we're not going in the car every day um and I want it to like come from both of us. If you can commit, I will commit. And so that's about wanting to make changes in his life. I'm behind whatever they are. If you can commit to them, then I'll I'll be there as well. Yeah. So this is all like foundational. Yeah. Family commitment. This yeah. is a pledge mm. from you to your family, as yeah. well as it being the other way around. What spurred you to write this? I think it was just sort of, this is like a cyclical conversations that me and my partner have and it was just one of them that periodically happens that went, right, this needs to be concrete. You know, because words fail sometimes and what I am trying to get across doesn't always come across and emotion gets caught in the middle. So I think there was something about trying to just create a bit of distance mm. by putting it on the page. Mm. It's almost like journaling, isn't it? But mm. you're journaling with your partner. So did your partner write one back or did he answer the points or...? Not really. I mean, he wrote his own version and it was a little bit different and so I had a reaction to that, just the way that the things that came out as important to him. But that's why I just wanted to bring it. I was like, yeah, it's fine. It was enough to write it. I'm not going to sit there and mm. tick it off. You know, you can't live your life like that. But at least for me, I felt that I was able to be clear and that's all that really matters. Yeah. To You had the awareness and the impulse to acknowledge that something needed to change. Mm. You didn't want to live in that cycle anymore. And like just listening to it feels... You know, it's really inspiring. Sometimes we do get stuck, don't we, in these 
cycles and sometimes we can't see a way out because mm. you may want to shift shift something within yourself but the person that you're with is not ready is mm. not there so how are you gonna how do you manage that yeah i don't know that's what relationships are about and it can't be you need to change now mm. change only happens when that person's ready yeah and but we can all grow and and change and see other people's perspectives it's the meeting in the middle somehow isn't it that that is what relationships are about mm. and it's articulating feelings yeah. isn't it and sometimes and i think i found this whilst doing my show is <laughs> as you know <laughs> i've always found it hard to articulate mm. my feelings and the only way i've managed to do that is through writing mm. and you know especially over covid like the value of journaling and the value of just writing down what's in your mind and trying not to censor that and just trying to allow yourself to free write how you feel in that moment or draw or to you know what you were doing at the start of the podcast which is just mm. you know just being in that moment mm. with yourself is so valuable I think we can learn a lot from this. So you've written how many points out of interest? You don't have to read them all, but how many points have you written? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight, but it filled like like a whole page. Mm. Some of them are... And then, so you wrote that and then you put it down? Yeah. You just put it down and it was just a chance for you just to go... <sighs> yeah, I mean, I thought it would be something that would be stuck up on the board next to the calendar. We'd look at it every day, we'd tick it off, but that's just how... It's just me. That's how stupid I am in a lovely way. That's just how my brain works, right? Let's organise the hell out of life. It's idealism, isn't yeah. it? It's like being an idealist is like, that. this is how we should live our lives. Yes. Because I'm right. Yes. <laughs> well, I want to live a healthy, stress-free, organised, playful, yeah. fun. Organised fun. Do it now. <laughs> We've got two minutes for have some fun. fun. Now. Eat some celery and have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> And pretend we're all normal. Yeah, so... <laughs> and do you find that this kind of works? I know you're such a holistic person, Alice. You do yoga, like, you are... Did you do pregnancy yoga at one point? Pre yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you are. You're very mindful, you do meditation, you're, and your practice has always been in that well-being space of making work, but not putting too much pressure on yourself, like other practitioners... Do, you know, especially in our work in clown, like there's a lot of practitioners who use the kind of via negativa. If anyone who doesn't really know what that means, it's using kind of not necessarily criticism, but using a reflection of the audience. You know, the audience aren't finding you funny. What are you going to do about it? You know, putting actors in those kinds of places and seeing what they can explore mm. with you. And especially as a student of yours and now a friend, you know, it's always been so free and light and exciting and playful in that rehearsal room. Do you find that this kind of work informs your practice? Yeah, yeah. It's a it, it's a work in progress all of the time. I've never really done meditation in a sense of sitting down and, and meditating, but then I understood meditation in different ways. And I dance on a Sunday night for an hour, sometimes with people, sometimes on my own, and that's my meditation. Mm -hmm. But I've only committed to doing that in the last sort of four to six months. So I'm just like... And I've just turned 40 and I'm starting to like really like know myself and to acknowledge things that maybe I was already doing but not making important enough and like creating little rituals and routines. But also just knowing it's all just a, it's all just a laugh anyway. Mm. It's all a game. It's all a game. Everything's a game. 
All right then. Shall I say it? Yeah. <laughs> so, Alice Robinson, <laughs> the big question. Is it time to keep or shred into pieces? Shred into pieces. <gasps> How exciting. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm with you all the way. I'm forcing you to shred. <laughs> okay. So, as, as before, you can either... Ooh, oh. What's the one underneath it? What's this orange piece? Oh, this is spellings with Artie. <laughs> How many has it got right? Today, were, said. They're quite good. Said, were, yeah. Oh, what's all this? We've uncovered... Oh, God, I found more. Oh, yeah. So I knew I did more. This is the same topic. So this is a continuation of the yellow page with yeah. the eight points. Oh, so okay. I think what I did was had a big free flow and wrote, like, loads of things all over here and then I tried to organise them in a line because I always make notes in, like, spirals. So try to go, let's make it really clear. So this is the R&D on the orange <laughs> piece of paper. Great. And in the middle it says health... Like mm. with a mind with a bubble around it, and then oh shizzle, what do I do with this one? I've told you now. <laughs> you don't have to shred that if you don't want to. If you want to keep that and process that, do you know what? I will keep that. I'll get yeah. rid of the first one because that's the one I presented anyway to the family, not the full family. Child who's just been born. Do you know the meaning of <laughs> well-being of life? Yeah. <laughs> so, yellow piece of paper. All right, then, let's go. Here we go. Hey. Beautiful. That was a good shred, that one. How See, do you think? some points have come out just on a shred because they're, like, in little strips. So this one just says, to eat with appreciation for food. It's better this way, actually. More succinct. Weather, landscape, adventure, wine. Is it wine? Oh, wine. this is one of his. Plan the weekly shop together. Oh, yes. So that was on the other side. So this is like collage fragments. How you feeling? Good. There's a point where you need words. There's a point where you need to write things down. There's a point for clarity. And then I think there's a point for settling and consolidating. And that's where we're at mm. in our family. And we're just, things are, we're on a good path. Things are going deeper, our understandings of each other. And, you know, the paper served its purpose then. Don't need it anymore. Yes, sister. Mm. Yes, moving forward and moving on and being okay with whatever whatever that journey looks like. I think, you know, Hollywood has really done us over with romanticism mm. and using that as a linchpin to, you know, for, for everyday people to compare their lives. Not everything is how... It's, meant it's not to be. all black and white. No, which artist's painting was? <laughs> He'll learn. <laughs> He'll learn one day. Now for the third and final item, then, I've asked you to bring in an item that reminds you of an amazing memory that you'll cherish forever. So, could you tell us about the memorable item you've brought in with you today? Do you know what? I've done this all wrong because I am a bit of a rebel. So my items don't really relate to this. Um, so sorry about that. They were leave. All, yeah, leave. Too late. <laughs> they were all You're meaningful in, in their own way, different ways. Yes. And this one is very special. This. So my dad died nine years ago. When I was cycling over today, I was like, when was it? And I cannot believe it was nine years. Mm. But I wrote this poem after one year that he died. And I wrote it because my brother told me that he'd said all right, you can be sad for a year and then 
move on. And I didn't know he'd said this. My brother told me and then I was like, what? Is that all we're allowed? One year. Mm. And so I wrote this poem. OK, so let's, <laughs> let's go back. So Dad passed away yeah. nine years ago. Yeah. What was Dad's name? Dave. Dave. David. David Robinson? Yeah. David Robinson. OK, so Dave passed away nine years. And your brother told you that mm-hmm. you only had a year to grieve. So when did you find this out? At the year point. How did you feel about that at the time? And I was like, what was I like? Yeah, I just was like, a year's not enough. A year's not enough. But I also think it was so my dad to say that and to try and, like, give a framework for the thing that was, you know, I don't know. How do you do that? How do you tell your own child, like, how to how to navigate something that, you know, we knew he was going to die. He was on his deathbed. And he asked me who we were going to have as the funeral directors. And I totally swerved it because I couldn't handle how direct that question was. Mm. Back to Artie, back to the child. And I was like, oh, me. Just made a joke out of it. And you know when you've got those really <sighs> sort of... It's fine. It, it was me coping. And co-op is the answer. Co-op, Dad. Of course, the cooperative, <laughs> who else? It would always be them. But um, I suppose that was my little one-to-one question that was directly to me. Mm. And then, amongst others, and then maybe this was the one that my brother had, mm. like a little nugget of them telling you something really, really straight and really honest in that moment when there's... There might be a day left or mm. whatever, you don't know. So you knew that your dad was going to pass away? Yeah, so he had a heart condition. He'd always had one, so we'd lived with that. He had two heart attacks. He should have died when he was 45. We were quite young. He died when he was 68. He had a defibrillator fitted into his heart, which I think is more common now, but when he had it, it wasn't so much they're those things that like jump start your heart have in public places everywhere but he had one attached there so if something happened to his heart it would kick in and like boot him back to life so is it because he had like an irregular heart well it was more it was more than that i mean he had such a severe heart attack in the first place that he a whole section of his heart was dead so he's beyond like pacemakers and and that it was it was more than that and then yeah so there, there was various things but he had an amazing life he changed his life he really got into cycling really got into health really got into just seizing seizing the moment and mm. you know he was like I shouldn't be here now. So he was just nothing but grateful right at the end. Yeah. And big Labour man, big NHS, you know, and was like, this is incredible. So he was amazingly gracious as we sort of... uh, And I I suppose that helped us accept it a little bit on the way out. Mm. We were all literally there. Me, my mum and my brother were there for his last breath, which is amazing. Wow. Yeah. And... Yeah, I was just like, you have taught me so much in that last breath. Um, You know, you've given me so much bravery and I'm no longer 
as fearful mm. of death because I've looked it in the eye. Yeah, right. And you've seen like the kind of the decline as well. You've been there the whole time with your dad yeah. and pre like having those precious moments with him in those few years. Like you say, your dad was supposed to die 15 years before yeah. that or whatever. Yeah. And you were with him. And that's just so amazing that that it wasn't foiled with anger or suffering necessarily. It was just it just sounded like such a beautiful a decade yeah, yeah. and a bit that you've had together. Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. And do you mind reading the poem, or would you rather not? Or it's totally up to you. I will you. read it, or you can read parts of it yeah, if you want. Yeah, it just says one year. You don't know me anymore, and I don't know you. What would I say? What would we share? How would we say it? You're here in the silences, like I was told. You're here in my sadness and my happiness, like I was told. You're here when I succeed and when I fail. You're here when I don't want to be. I feel more now. I weep more now. I see more now, but also have a limited capacity, a damaged threshold. I'm impatient like you, bossy like you, and I'm transparent like you. I am some of you. I grew up and down when you died. I don't want to forget. I don't want to be more or be free. A year is not enough, Dad. But I think you know that. Well, I think you knew that back then. I learned a lot from your Dad, good and bad. Time is a healer, or time is just time. Sometimes I lose time, I gain time, I save time or waste it. I chase time, I fear time, I watch time or make it. A year is not enough, Dad. I don't agree. A year is not enough, Dad. Not enough for me. Look at my face. <laughs> Look at all you've done to me. Yeah, it's not longer than we thought. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so beautiful. Do you know what? I've never, I don't think I've ever read that to anyone. So I'm really glad that I have. I've wanted to read it at family occasions and I've just not done it. And I've been like, oh, by the way, I wrote a poem and they're like, what? Nothing, nothing. <laughs> I've wrote a spectacular epic poem about my dad, about something my dad said in passing to my older brother. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, that's so beautiful. Thank yeah. you for sharing no, that. No, that's fine. Thank you. Wow. Gosh, it's just so... A year isn't enough. No. Don't compartmentalise all the seven <laughs> stages of grief into one year, Dad. But there's also something... like There's a gift in saying that. It's just like allow yourself for time to be a healer and for for it to shift and as we know it'll always be with you but mm. it shift my favorite line is <laughs> is your favorite line i'm bossy sorry I, no no that hurts the most <laughs> it was about i grew up and down when you died mm. because i instantly felt wiser and younger and you'll know this i was like oh, my God, I understand some things and I'm so vulnerable. Mm. And it was like these two directions at once. Sort of like, this is quite something, mm. you know. I feel like I can cope with some big things and I can cope with absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, thanks, life. <laughs> and, like, what would you say to other people then who have lost someone special in their lives and are just starting on their own grief journey? 
sorry. He, he might not be around to yeah. help. Yeah. <laughs> he might be. Maybe. Oh. It's like God, when you say, what advice do you give to new parents? It's an absolute... Um, just a sea of possibilities and emotions and you just have to go, look, you've got to go through it. You've got to go through it. You won't believe me now and you're not supposed to believe me now, but it will shift because it changes all of the time and you're so much stronger than you than you know you are. I think that's the hardest part, isn't it? It's just acknowledging that you have to go through it. Yeah. But it will lift. It will lift. Yeah. It may not be in the next year, you know, but if you've lost someone really close to you, just take each day as it comes. There will be a point where, you know, you won't feel that intense burden anymore and you won't feel just as sad as you did the day before and it will lift. And as you said already, you know, grief will always stay with you. It's that silent part of you that never goes away. And... Everyone lives with it to mm-hmm. some capacity. And, and even if someone hasn't passed away, that it is like a, like a marriage or a relationship that you've been with, you know, you can still feel those intense, even a friendship, mm. you know, you still feel those intense feelings of, you know, the day after it happens, everything around you changes, it shifts. It, life isn't like what you thought it was. Yeah. And But yeah. it connects us all. Grief connect everyone can relate to it Mm. and it's trying to you know the three of us the ones left behind me mum and brother just had this incredible depth to our relationship and whoever you've got whether it's friends whoever is there in those moments it's it's life-saving there is nothing better than (laughs) than grief and death to solidify a friendship yeah Make or break. Yeah. Out. I remember when I first heard about my sister passing away and, I mean, I only knew Gav for two and a half years. You know Gav mm. or Gav Stewart. Hi, Gav. Um, he was there that day. Mm. He saw me from across the field at the sports day I was at. And obviously when you hear traumatic and unsuspected news, I was screaming, I was crying. It was... I felt sick. You know, you go through all those physical reactions. Mm. And I remember he ran over to me because it was a sports day, so it was obviously warmed up. He (laughs) ran over to me and he just held me. He didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to do. I'm getting emotional thinking about it. Why are we at a sports day? I don't know, because it was summer. (laughs) (laughs) I'd been invited and I just did a 100 metre run. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I hurt my leg, so I I was sitting down. The woman who called me, Diane, she said, are you sitting down? I said, yes. I've just hurt my leg, so of course I'm sitting down. You can still feel that hug, though, can't you? And I just remember that he didn't know what to say or what to do, but he was there. Mm. And, you know, we were reflecting on this the other day and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we were laughing because when he drove me down to Northampton because that's where the family were living I was in Manchester <laughs> and he got a puncture on the M6 on the way down <laughs> oh my what are the chances sister died on the way down got a puncture on the M6 <laughs> obviously he was in his own headspace didn't know what to say he was driving mm-hmm. you know music on I was getting phone calls he had to listen to those phone calls and just his just his calmness and even the fact that he, he'd never been in this situation before just the fact that he was there 
and he came down and he was like, you know, Sue, can you just go put this fluorescent triangle 100 metres behind the car <laughs> because I need to let people know I'm changing the tyre. Was just, you know, it's just those moments yeah. of lightness yeah. that we all need in yeah. life. Have you ever experienced any, like, funny moments? Oh, God, during I mean, death is hilarious. Yeah, go yeah. on. Oh, I can't, can I even think on the spot? I just remember there being a lot of laughter, a lot of, like, hearty earthy laughter I remember the moment when he died and we were there and then you stay for a bit it was all in the hospital and then the three of us just going out and walking around the grounds were quite nice it was sunny and we were just like laughing there was just this weight Mm. in the immediacy that we knew he was going he was gone this weight had been lifted and it's never what you think it'd be on the movie uh, as they portray it. Mm. Um, I can't think of that. I'll remember loads after, but I just been remember being surprised by the laughter and also the laughter in his dying moments and the jokes and everything is so close, yeah. The, the laughter have, and the sorrow. Have you had any experiences with ashes at all? Like scattering of ashes? Oh, God, yeah. So we always knew where he wanted to go. He'd always said that. It was up a mountain. It was a, a lovely mountain. I'll take you. It's it's not a big climb. It's in North Wales. <laughs> it's not a big climb. You, you will make <laughs> no, it up. I say that to everyone because it's it's so accessible and I think that's why he did it. He was a mountaineer. He was really into all that, but he chose this one that you can just nip up very easily. It's quite steep. Uh, so we put the ashes there and obviously yeah they all blow in your face and you're like you got I got a bit of your dad in your mouth and you don't know if it's his ashes or <laughs> someone else and but we made a can so we put all the rocks like a little pile of rocks there and but what is so bizarre is we go back there regularly and like I say it's nine years you can still see tiny bits of ash that have been caught underneath rocks and you're like of your dad? Yes. You're like, how do you know? There. How do you know? Because it's one designated area that we made for him oh, on this right. mountain. We just took some rocks from the bigger pile and made a little one. And that's where the ashes were. And there's these tiny little bits. Wow. So that's not funny, but when my gran, it was all windy. And then we did another <laughs> mountain. That was in our face. But yeah, oh. The, the fact that it's still there mm. is quite amazing. So then, Alice, for the third and final item, the poem, are you going to sh- keep or are you going to shred? What do you think? Uh, no, I'm not going to say You don't know? I've got it in my mind. I'll tell you after, I think. Well, I'm going to shred it. You're going to shred the poem? Yeah. Okay. I'm with you the whole way. All right, then. How exciting. Give it a little kiss. Oh. <laughs> oh, Dave. Yeah. See you later. He was well into recycling, my dad. Oh, oh, he's not going. He doesn't want to go. It's like when the uh, (laughs) coffin is going down to be... (laughs) And the curtains get stuck. (laughs) No. I think we... I think Dave's trying to tell... I think Dad's trying to tell you something. He was so stubborn. (laughs) Oh, my God. He... I am his child. What an idiot. Oh, God. Hi, Dad. <laughs> Hi, I've Dave. I've got two kids. Did you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's never happened on our show. So this is definitely um, a spiritual hello from Dave from beyond. Yeah. Well, Alice Robinson, how would you feel? How would you feel now after all those three? I feel great. I love it. I love letting things go. 
I know that everything has its place and time and I like setting it free. What's next for you, Alice? Where can people go and check oh. you out and your stuff? Well, <laughs> I run this brilliant group called Mothers Who Make at Home Manchester, which is a monthly peer support group for mother artists of all disciplines. And I've got some Arts Council funding recently to put on a couple of events. And what about the Performers Playground? The Performers Playground is my other child, which is a course that's an amalgamation of all of the teachings that me and my partner have been doing over the years and all the great teachers we've worked with in theatre, playful performance. So that's ongoing at the moment. So, yeah, have a look at the Performance Playground wherever, you know, usual places, Instagram. Well, the Performance Playground is a fantastic opportunity to stretch and play with all any kind of skills, as, as you say, whether you're a performer or not. Before uh, Performance Playground, it was Clown Lab, and I was a participant and I absolutely loved it and that's where I discovered Philip Goulier um, because I was so bad at clown and so bad um, being in the flop that I actually ended up, because of you and your partner, going to, and studying under Philip Goulier. So I owe you... Oh, God, I feel so... Why do you always make me cry? Uh. I owe you so much and I'm so <laughs> happy that you're here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Alice Robinson, for being on the Landfill of Memories podcast. Thank you. If you've been affected by Alice and I's discussion and need support with a bereavement, please check out organisations like Cruise Bereavement Care. They can help. Their website is www.cruise.org.uk. That's C-R-U-S-E And their phone number is 0808 808 1677. There's also some more links in the show notes too. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Landfill of Memories, the podcast. I really hope that you enjoyed the conversation. If you did, wonderful. And it's always appreciated if you could share this podcast with your friends, family and fellow hoarders too. If you want to hear more, make sure you click the follow button now on whatever app you use to listen to your podcasts. You can also follow me on social media on at Landfill of Mems. Many blessings.